You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, Richard, uh, Richard has written uh, some, a, a number of books, several books, uh, but how relevant are those today as far as in the terms of, I mean, uh, they're significant, don't misunderstand me, what I'm talking about, it's, it's in the computer world, right? And, yeah, it's not as relevant today because obviously you're dealing with different, different operating systems and whatever else through the course of that. Uh, you know, whether it's whether you study medicine or whatever it is, uh, things change in a hurry. Uh, you know, can you imagine, just for instance, he's talking about 20 years ago, can you imagine if somebody was to write on technology, if you was to take uh, 40 different people to write on technology over the period of a couple thousand years, what would that look like from the start to the end and so forth? Uh, it would not be very fluid. Uh, you take, you know, since uh, Doria... Uh, graduated from uh, school. How, how much, if you take the books just for the last, I mean, she's probably been out of college, what, 10 years? Uh, just probably over 10 years. It's probably been a little bit more than 10 years. But in the time of that, let me tell you something. Things have changed. But you, you take 40 physicians over the period of a couple thousand years and let them write on a given subject and then put it all together in one book. The point I'm just simply trying to make is the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, the Bible is an absolute agreement. It's awesome that when we go into the Christmas season like we're entering into, uh, we often go back to the book of Genesis. Or we go back 600 years to the prophet Isaiah, uh, before, 600 years before Christ, or 500 years, uh, written in different places by different men. The, the Bible's awesome. And it's just the same when we enter into 1 Samuel 17. These are things that happen. We can read the record of what God did and how God worked um, with uh, in terms of David and in terms of Goliath, in terms of a nation. So uh, there's a great story, there's great history here, but then also one of the great, great things about the Word of God is there's also great application. Uh, it's great for the history, it's great for the story, it's great for the inspiration, but there's great application. And what we read about in 1 Samuel 17 was about David, this young man, this boy, this teenager who rose to a great occasion. This young man who, when God placed him on this earth, had a purpose for his life. And I want to say today that if you're on this earth, God has a purpose for your life. This young man, David, as a teenager, was anointed to be the king. He was chosen and anointed to be the king, and then he was sent back out to take care of his father's sheep. So we talked a lot last week about delay. That was the first thing. So... The thing that David, one of the things that he's most well known for, especially when it comes to this time of his life, was the battling and the slaying of Goliath. Well, I believe much like that, that if, number one, you're on this earth, you're on this earth for a reason. If you're saved by God's grace, I believe I could say that you've been anointed for a particular purpose that God has placed you on this earth for. However, one thing I can promise you as well is that as a child of God, we face giants in our lives. There's things that stand in between us and where God ultimately wants us to go. And a lot of times what we don't realize is the things that are standing in our way, these giant things that are 
seem greater than something that we can overcome are actually the very thing that's going to propel us and launch us into the place where God wants us to be in the first place. So David's going to go fight the, the giant Goliath, and, and that's what you hear about mostly about this chapter. But we last week began to look at some things that, ha, that David had to defeat and overcome before he ever even squared off with the giant. And I'll just give those to you quickly again this morning. The very first thing he had to deal with was delay. In 1 Samuel 17, uh, we're not going to read these verses. We read them last week, but I encourage you to read the whole chapter later. But verses 12 through 15, basically what you find out is that uh, his dad in this, this instance was holding him back. His dad was saying, you stay here and work. And again, there's nothing insulting about this whole thing. Uh, remember how many brothers David had? Seven other brothers. That's right. And, and only the three oldest went to this battle to begin with. So it wasn't as if he sent all the brothers to fight except for David. He only sent the three oldest to fight in the battle that's taking place here. But nonetheless, it doesn't change the fact that he was held back. He was delayed. And we talked about last week that sometimes we get discouraged over delay. Uh, we want God to do something. And, and here's the thing. Remember, God had promised him that he was going to be the king. God had promised great things for him. But with God, timing is always more important than time. And when, we, when God says something and we claim one of the promises of God, we really want it to be, okay, God, you said you're going to do this, so do it now. And we know that there's people out there, and it appeals to a lot of Christians that they almost teach as if God is some sort of genie in the bottle, uh, and then if you just name it and claim it, God's got to do it. Uh, but folks, God is way too wise for that. And God oftentimes makes us wait. Can you remember a couple of the examples that we use for delay, divine delays? Anybody remember a couple of examples in the Bible of del divine delays? Lazarus is a great one. Yeah, whenever Lazarus was sick and Mary and Martha said, hey, come heal our brother. The Lord says, okay, you know, we talked about that one. So that's a great example. John 11, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. What's another great example of divine delay? Joseph. Joseph is a tremendous example of divine delay. And what you begin to do as you study the Bible, you find out that this is actually a pretty common thing. Um, we don't like to wait, but God has us wait often. Matter of fact, there's a verse in the Bible I didn't think about bringing it today or looking up the reference, but the Bible says that basically because he loves us, he'll cause us to wait. Because he loves us, he causes us to wait. Because we don't think of it that way. We're like, God, what kind of game are you playing here? I don't want to wait. Uh, I want this and I want it now. And we don't realize how, uh, how uh, amazingly arrogant that we can be. Because a lot of times when we're saying those things, we, we may not say the words, but it's as if we think we know better than God. You know, uh, well, God, there's no reason to wait on this. You should do this right now. You know, Moses was the, another example that I brought up because I thought it was interesting because we had just, uh, just had read the, uh, Stephen's uh, message before he was stoned there in the book of Acts and how that he mentioned how that Moses wanted to be a deliverer of his people. So he killed an, at the age of 40, he killed an Egyptian 
uh, that was beating up a Jew. That, that was beating up a Jewish or a, a Hebrew slave. And uh, so he wanted to deliver his people. The only thing was, and, and God wanted him to deliver his people. The only thing is, there was 40 years between when Moses wanted to deliver his people and when God wanted to deliver the people, to, to deliver his people. So again, with God, uh, timing is more important than time. Uh, the Lord, the Lord, you look at Jesus, even when he walked the earth, we talked about it. He did not begin his earthly ministry till the age of 30 years old. Three and a half years, he worked, did miracles, preached, did the work that he did. But uh, you study, Jesus was never in a hurry. But Jesus was never late. Uh, so delay. I, I am not a person that really likes to wait very much. Does anybody actually like to wait? I don't know if anybody likes to wait. I don't like to wait. Um, uh, matter of fact, man, I, I'm, I'm funny this way. When we have potluck, just for instance, and there's a line, uh, number one, I'm not interested in getting in front of the line, okay? And uh, don't hold this against me, but I'm not really interested in letting the kids go in front of the line. I usually like to get the seniors to go in front of the line because I think that's a good example for the kids. And then the kids can get through with the moms and everything, but, but they need to learn that honor. But for me, as for me, uh, I'll sit and talk or just about do anything else rather than standing. And I know I'm waiting while I'm doing that, but I'm, in my mind, I'm not just standing there waiting. Um, waiting drives me crazy. Uh, if, if we'd be clocking out at work, for instance, and people are like lining up behind the clock, I'm like, nope, I'm going to go find something else to be doing. And I just, I'm, I've got a weird aversion to waiting. If, it, uh, if I don't have carry-on bags, which I normally do when I'm flying, man, I'm going to sit there and read a book or do whatever. Uh, but I don't want to get up and stand in that big old line. If I've got carry-on bag, it's a different situation, isn't it? But anyway, don't like to wait. None of us like to wait. But oftentimes we have to wait. But the thing is, is you can't lose courage when you're waiting. You can't lose faith when you're waiting. You can't just say, okay, God, you didn't do this. You must not care about me. You didn't do, you said you were going to do it. You didn't do it. Uh, you must not be going to do it because you didn't do it in my time. You get discouraged. You lose faith. What I'm saying is delay can become uh, a naysayer, that's the terminology that we were using. A, a, the delay can become something that begins to tell you that maybe this isn't going to work out. Okay? Uh, the other thing was discouragement. Um, and again, I'm, I need to, I'd already gave this. I don't need to recap the whole thing that much, so I'll go quicker this time. Uh, verses 8 through 11, verse 16, verses 23 through 24. Basically, what you see there is Goliath running his mouth. Goliath blaspheming God in other words your giant that you already aren't sure if you can defeat or not is reminding you that you can't defeat anybody ever have something like that you got something in your life that just mocks you uh, it's just almost like it mocks you it mocks your God uh, I mean do you really think you're going to overcome this do you really think that you can be uh, you know do you really think you can be a godly man a husband and lead your home and, and kids do you really think that you can you know uh, be successful in this 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 business or this line of work that God's called you into. I mean, it's just this mocking thing, uh, discouragement. So there's delay, there's discouragement, uh, and then also there's the disapproval of his brothers. There's disapproval. Uh, his brothers actually questioned his motives. Verses 26 through 29. 
His brothers question his motives. And again, we talked about how last week how hard that is. It's hard when people are questioning your motives uh, and when you're being discouraged uh, by people and you're being disapproved by people. And that's what his brothers, his brothers were insulting to him. His brothers were insinuating that uh, they, they were questioning why he was out there and they seemed to, when they referred to those few sheep that you're watching out in the wilderness, they seemed to kind of put down what he was doing in his life already. Uh, I, like, I love having people's approval, but I'll tell you one thing, you can't live for people's approval. Um, and as a, as a preacher, but I'd say as any Christian, man, we've got, we've got one person to please, and that's God Almighty. And if God Almighty's pleased with my life, I feel like the people that really care about me and if I'm going to really care about their opinion, they ought to be happy about that. But even in that case, I'm telling you, sometimes you have people, you can, <laughs> I've gotten times in my life to where I've had people question my motives. I've had time in my life where I've had disapproval uh, coming from many places. Uh, and that can be very hard to move on and face your giant when you're facing that. And then lastly, as we talked about last week, uh, there was doubt. Uh, verses 32 and 33, uh, the experts doubted david's ability for one thing the experts doubted his ability uh, so those are four of the things it's not the only things but there's four of those naysayers if you will the things that says you cannot do it it's impossible um, uh, that that pessimistic attitude or that pessimistic uh, verbiage that gets communicated these are at least four things that david had to face before he ever went out and defeated his giant and so, uh, those are four of the things. And then quickly, what I want to spend today on is how to defeat these naysayers. How to overcome these things. Delay, discouragement, disapproval, doubt, and whatever else you may face on, in route or in, uh, in, in, in the way of facing your giant. The very first thing to remember about these naysayers, these doubting voices is that they are not God. you got to remember, they aren't God. Proverbs 29, verse 25. Uh, would there be somebody willing to look that one up for me? Proverbs 29, verse 25. When you got it, just read it. Amen. Uh, they are not God. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And uh, anybody know what a snare is? It's a trap. Uh, anybody ever hunted or trapped with a snare? Uh, I've got friends that have uh, hunted with a snare. Um, and it's interesting. I, I had a friend of mine lives out in Wyoming now, but he would uh, often trap uh, coyotes. And the way he would do it is he would go along, sometimes maybe he'd go along uh, a fence line. And he would go along this fence line, and he'd find a trail under this fence. And then he would look, and maybe there'd be a, a piece of uh, fur that had caught on uh, some barbed wire or whatever under the fence. And he's like, this must be a place that it comes back and forth a lot. So then he'd take this snare, and it basically just was an open wire, but it'd be about, the, about, you know, about yay big. And he would... Uh, set it up in such a way to where next time that coyote came under that fence and his head went in there, that, that wire would, get, that snare would go around its neck 
And as it, uh, and of course it would tighten down automatically, then the more it would fight, what would happen? Eventually it just chokes itself out and kills itself. Um, just beautiful imagery, isn't it? Uh, but the fear of man brings a snare. Uh, man, don't let yourself get choked out on the fear of man. Uh, being so caught up on what people think. Um, man, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I mentioned it earlier. This goes, goes back to specifically thinking about disapproval. Uh, man, I, I'm a guy that wants people, I, I want people to like me. Uh, I want people to approve of me. Um, but man, I tell you, I can't live my life trying to please people. Uh, I got to live my life to please God Almighty. Because, you know, there's the old saying, and it's cliche, I know, but it says that you can, you can please uh, some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is we need to make sure that we don't let the fear of man be our motivation, the, the respect of man, what man thinks, be our main thing. It doesn't mean that we may or may not take into consideration. Uh, I want to be a tactful individual. I want to be able to communicate uh, my vision. I want to be able to communicate my message. I want to be able to communicate the, the way I'm trying to lead uh, effectively. But I need to make sure that ultimately uh, I'm trusting the Lord. The fear of man bringeth the snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The Bible says in Isaiah 8, verse 13, it says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. It's just simply this, to say that God needs to be the one that I'm concerned about. Um, you know, uh, it's good hearing Bo in Sunday school this morning. I think of those that have kids that are still at home and uh, those of us that, uh, those that have grandkids. I want to say those of us that have grandkids. I've got a grandbaby. She just hasn't been manifested yet. <laughs> Amen. Uh, of course, uh, Hannah being uh, pregnant, but, uh, but regardless... Uh, you know what, man, we got to raise our children the way God would have us to raise them and not be so concerned with what mom and dad and, you know, society or whatever else thinks. Uh, man, I'm going to fear the Lord over the fear of man and say, I think I'm going to go with God on this. Uh, you know, whatever it is in, in your life, in your marriage, with what you do, make sure that you're motivated. Remember that they aren't God. And I know that sounds like a simple and almost silly statement. We know that the doubting that we experience when we're in delay. We know that the discouragement we face isn't the voice of God. We know that the disapproval of others isn't the disapproval of God. And we know that doubt isn't from God. But I, you know, the, the thing I pray commonly because it's something I think we all experience as just human beings is that there's still sometimes, there's still sometimes a disconnect between, oh, I know that, I know that, but we're not living it. And so we know that these other things aren't God, but why do we act like they are? Why do we act defeated? Why do we act like we can't overcome these things? We act as if these things are God. Oh, well, you know, I've never been able to do this or that and blah, 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 blah. And so it's like, okay, so are you going to... So that's God then? That's the Word of God? Or does the Word of God say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Which is it? You know, um, which of these is God? So, so we have a disconnect sometimes between what we know. You ever talk to people 
you're trying to encourage people. I don't know the times that I've had people come to me and ask for a piece of advice or something, and I try to give them some good uh, godly advice or counsel or whatever it may be, and then they'll, uh, oh, I know that, I know that. I'm like, okay, but do you? And I've got to ask myself, I've said it already, there's literally times I've, I've got to ask myself and be honest with myself, and I'll pray, Lord, you know that I believe this, you know that I know this, but Lord, uh, Bo's already coming to the altar, amen. I tell you, see, it's good to have kids with soft hearts in church, amen. He was getting right already, but, but you know, honestly, it's like, uh, Lord, help me to really get this. Help me to really understand this. I, I have to pray that on a regular basis because just like you're susceptible to some of these things, I assume, I am as well. So this week, by the grace of God, I think as we go through this week, so putting this into action, how do we put that first thing, remembering that these naysayers, these doubting voices around us are not the voice of God, during a quiet time or during just the, the course of the week, examine your motives to see if you're motivated by the approval of others or by the approval of God. Are you motivated by the approval of others or the approval of God? The Bible says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Uh, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, somebody give me a definition of ungodly. Because this was a profound thing when I got a hold of what the definition of ungodly is. Anybody? Anybody tell me what you think? I'll just tell you. When I hear ungodly, I'm like, oh, man, that sounds really bad. And it is bad. But I, I'm thinking of something, and, and, and I would usually use, and I would actually use that in, in terminology sometimes. This person's really ungodly. And what I mean is, man, this person didn't just hurt one person. They hurt a bunch of people. They didn't just abuse one. They abused, They didn't just steal $5, man. They stole, you know what I'm saying? They're really ungodly. And that there's truth to that, but there's a much more simple definition to ungodly. You and I have, you and I, have very, we have a lot of ungodly people in our lives. We have ungodly people in our families. We have ungodly people uh, on our jobs. Uh, I dare say we have ungodly people that come to this church. So some of you are here right now. I'm picking on you, all right? Uh, but listen, ungodly, because the simple definition of ungodly is people who just simply do not take God into account. When they're making a plan, they just don't, an ungodly person just doesn't pause and say, now I wonder what God would want me to do in that situation. What does the Bible say about that? That's ungodly. Because it's just saying, no thanks God. So it's not, it's not bad people. I mean, you know, as far as it by human standards are concerned. These might be some of the sweetest, nicest, maybe some of the most educated people you know. Maybe just, just great people that honestly want nothing more than the best for your life. But they're ungodly, which just simply means they're not taking God into account when they're, when, when you're, when they're talking to you about your marriage and they say, you know what, you have every right to do A, B, and C. And I'm talking, about, I'm talking about counsel that goes contrary to the Word of God. 
Now, this person isn't trying to be evil or wicked or nothing like that. They just don't think about God. So they're trying to tell you the best thing they can tell you. But there again, you just got to remember, they're not God. So getting the approval of other people isn't always necessarily the approval of God. And, and perhaps oftentimes is not. Uh, so we shouldn't be too concerned, but examine your heart. Are you, are you motivated by the approval of others or by the approval of God? And it really is another good question. Kind of ask yourself while we're on that subject, isn't it? How ungodly are you? How ungodly am I? How often do you think about God? How often do you think when, when you're going through the course of the day? Uh, how often do you consider uh, what God would have you to do and what the Word of God says about this situation? Um, that's a great question to ask ourselves. And so uh, the approval of others or the approval of God, ask God this week to reveal to you who you may need to stop hanging around because of their constant negativity and undue, undue influence on you. Uh, if you struggle in this area, make an effort to maybe memorize Isaiah 8, 13, which is the verse I said a moment ago, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Ultimately, we're going to have to stand before God, not our aunt or grandma or buddy or whatever. And there can be some times when there might be some people in our lives that we need some influences that we need to limit ourselves about how much we're going to be around that influence. Um, and, uh, and that influence could be media of some sort. Um, man, you've got to be really careful uh, about your media uh, influence too, don't you? Uh, as far as, you know, what kind of, uh, what, what videos are you watching? What articles are you reading? You know, there's the... Uh, you know, when, when I found out, you know, a little bit about the, the algorithm, you know, and, and the social media world in general, um, how that uh, we know that some of the founders, you know, just like Facebook or whatever the case may be, we understand their extreme leftist leanings and so forth. Right. But at the heart of what the, the algorithms of the business are uh, placed on is it is a business and a business is trying to do what? Make money. And that's why, you know, if you click on a certain video, whether it's, you know, I'll just use Facebook as an example. Uh, listen, there, there's money that comes along with these, you know, that, that, that cycled around. So if they find, if, if you click on the video or pause too long on one particular story, you'll start seeing more of those stories. You'll start seeing more of those videos. They could go, down, they could go to the extent of being as, as, as right wing as you could possibly imagine, and they'll give you that, as long as you'll sit and watch them. Uh, because the that's what the algorithm's about. And what I'm just simply saying is, you know, there, there's an there's a, uh, old literary term that is brought into our modern vernacular, and that's going down the rabbit hole <laughs> with Alice in Wonderland, right? Uh, and what I'm saying is, man, I know as soon as I began to realize uh, what they were doing, <laughs> uh, what the, the way the algorithms were set up, I said to myself, what? I'm not watching that video just because they're trying to just because they think I'm going to watch it not going to do it I'm not reading that article but the thing is is that people can get kind of down a rabbit hole and it can start off as some fairly positive and good things perhaps maybe just trying to examine something or trying but before long you can be so engulfed with that that you're more concerned about that than you are what God says and as a matter of fact about that not being God uh, sometimes we can start thinking that it's 
it's, this is God's will for our life to go on this campaign that's involved in this rabbit hole we fell down. And I'll, uh, I'll step away from that before I go down that rabbit hole myself. But the point of the matter I'm just trying to say is we need to be careful about our influences, uh, people around us, these doubting thoughts, uh, the discouragement, uh, the, dis the worried about disapproval, the doubt, these things are not the voice of God. And it, this kind of goes along with the next, I won't spend a lot of time on this one because it kind of goes together. If we are not allowing our lives, if we're allowing these things to keep us from going on to be who God is calling us to be, we can narrow it down and kind of goes back to the first point there. But one of the ways we can defeat these is by narrowing it down. Who are we allowing to play God in our life? Who are we allowing to play God in our life? Now, who is the, the biggest culprit for who we allow to play God in our lives? Who do you think it might be? I think I might have heard it. Ourselves. From the very beginning, uh, Satan told Eve, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. We like to play God in our lives. Uh, if I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody say, oh, preacher, I know that God said this in his word, but, no, oh, okay, uh, have you ever in your life, I mean, I'm honest, there's times I've done it in my life, there's times that maybe what God was telling me to do was something that I didn't really want to do, or God was telling me not to do something that I wanted to, what, however, whichever way it is, um, and I just wanted to say, well, I know God said this, but Lord, you don't, God needs to understand my situation. Did you know that it's actually, I'm telling you, there's actually churches today that are growing in vast numbers because they're basing a lot of their preaching and doctrine on poor old God? That our poor God did not know what it was going to be like in 2021? How could God have known? And so... Since God didn't know, you know, he just must have known up to a certain point. And so, so from this point out, we're going to say what God really says. And, and that's why all of a sudden uh, to these people and in these churches, God is no longer opposed to, uh, you know, immorality anymore. Well, God, I guess God, when he put all those things in there about, you know, you know, uh, adultery, fornication and whatever else, maybe homosexuality. Uh, well, there's no way God could have known that that was going to be so popular today. And my gosh, if you say something about it, people will get offended and whatever. Uh, and so we're just going to move away from that. We're going to move away from responsibility. We're going to move away. It's interesting, by the way, when you see some of the things that we're moving away from, the things that we're moving toward, uh, we're, we're going to move away from the right of private property. Did you know that, that, that private property is, is a principle that's given by God? It's actually found right in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. What I own don't belong to the government. You say that sounds political. Well, I guess it is political, but it was spoken by God first. There's just a lot of things, and I'm telling you, there's many churches in the 21st century, it's a common thing, there's books being written, some of the, some of the more popular people in that sect and in this part of the world are uh, just basically saying, yeah, God says this, but we're just going to take the positive and good stuff and the stuff that makes us feel good, uh, because that's what's relevant today. Um, but, folks, the truth of the matter is that God is still God. 
And the God that, that, that created this universe, the, the wise, almighty, holy God who inspired this book, this book that is still relevant today, this book, by the way, uh, who, that, that honestly, that reads ahead of tomorrow's newspaper. The Bible says the Bible is a book of prophecy. This book is the Word of God. It's still the Word of God. So, though we may still be tempted to follow the lies of Satan into, you shall be a God, we've got to ask ourselves, who are we going to let be God and play God in our lives? Uh, and by the way, don't, don't, don't fool yourself in this regard either. This may not apply as much to us here uh, in a Bible study this morning, you know, at Point Baptist Church, but there's still application and just still something to think about uh, as, as we go through, you know, YouTube, Facebook, and whatever else. But, you know, it's almost like, it's like atheists, right? Those who say there is no God. Uh, and atheism, it just means no God. Um, you know, and I'm not going to get started on that today, but in order, in order to actually have the perfect wisdom of the entire universe of all time and eternity to be able to proclaim that there's no God anywhere, uh, you would just about have to be a God yourself. And that almost ends up being the point because really the, uh, the God of atheism is self. It is this person who can make um, these, uh, these declarations. But so uh, quickly, uh, remember when you're facing these things, these naysayers, these things that are going to try to hold you back, remember that they are not God. When you hear those voices telling you you can't do it, hey, you've done it already and you've failed. Anybody like to fail? I don't really like to fail, but we need to learn to embrace failure a lot more than we embrace failure. Um, because you cannot succeed if you don't fail. It's impossible. You've got to be willing to try. You've got to be willing to put yourself out there. You've got to be willing to take a risk because you don't succeed. And of course, uh, uh, he's anti-Semite and whatever else, but he was a very successful businessman, Henry Ford, who said, those, those of you that never fail work for those of us who do. Thomas Edison failed a lot of times. Anybody, any, any, you name one person who is, who is known to be a successful person today, that person has failed a number of times. I was telling this to a group of people at the gym the other day. And, uh, and, 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 and the, the, then the, lady, the one lady said, are you saying I'm a failure? And she was just kind of kidding around. Are you saying I'm a failure? And I'm like, no, because you haven't quit. <laughs> right? I'm not saying you're a failure because you haven't quit. I'm saying that we fail. And, and, and in fact, in order to be successful, if you really want to be successful, you've got to learn to double your rate of failure. You've got to learn to double your rate of failure. Uh, and I'm just simply trying to say this, that sometimes we fail. But don't believe the lie when you fail, like, that you're a failure. Oh, preacher, I tried and I failed. Okay? A great, great verse in the Bible that... that <laughs> That goes back, I think, about some of these verses that have helped me through my life. And believe me, I, st I, need, I need these today as much as ever. Because you want to know something? I'm still failing and I still struggle with it. But by the grace of God, I'm failing because I'm going in the right direction. But a great, great verse in the book of Proverbs where the Bible says that a good man may fall seven times, but the Bible says, yet rising up again. Seven times. And seven, we know, is a number, it, it's the number of perfection, but it's, it's the idea of 
uh, kind of, of a perpetual thing, seven times, uh, in a sense. After the seventh day of the week, which was yesterday, we start the first day of the week. It's just starting over again. In other words, you may fall seven times, get back up again. But don't allow, it, don't allow your failure to think, don't ever think that failure is final. I'll just say it that way. Don't ever allow yourself to believe that failure is final. Just because you fail, don't believe it. That's not God. God says, yeah. I, do you know God tells us to do a lot of things that we're incapable of doing, by the way? Almost everything God tells us to do, we're incapable of doing in and of ourselves. We need God's help. We need the Spirit of God. We need the Word of God. We need Him. And that's part of the point, is realizing to live dependent upon Him. And so, remember they're not God. Uh, don't get distracted. I'll give you uh, uh, this one here. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. I love Nehemiah. Nehemiah 6 says, and I sent messengers unto them, saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. This is when some of the people that were against the work that Nehemiah was doing, that God had anointed him, called him to do in his life, they were saying, hey, we want you to come over here and have a debate with us. We want to have a, come have a conversation about this. And Nehemiah's just like, no. And I love what he says, I'm doing a great work. I'm not coming to see you. I'm not coming down on this wall. The work that I'm doing is not going to cease. Do not allow yourself to get distracted from the main thing that God has in your life. Man, we need to learn to make a list of the things in our lives that are important, the things that are important to our families, um, that which God has us to do as far as, it, it, whether it be our careers or our calling for the Lord, we need to make a list of things that will bring us closer to the Lord and the things which may be drawing us away from the Lord. We need to make sure that our list of what we are doing in life on a daily basis is drawing us closer to God rather than further away. There's nothing wrong with you know, having some, uh, some leisure and some uh, other, other interest in this life. But man, we need to look at the things that we're putting most of our time in and then, look, and then remind ourselves of what is my ultimate goal. Is what I'm doing today, how exactly, and even honestly, man, if God would help us to do this every day, at the, at, at the beginning of each day, at the end of each day, at the end of each week, okay, here's, what it, here's my goal, here's... Here's, God has called me. Remember David? He was anointed to be king. He was called to be king. This is, this is what I have you to do, David. God has a calling. He's got something. He's got a purpose for your life. Then we've got to stop and look. Okay, here is what I'm investing my thoughts and my time and my energy in this week. Now, how is that helping me accomplish the goal that I say that God has called me to do? Because it's, it's, that's just how those little things can help us get to where the ultimate place where God would have us to do. It's really, really easy to get distracted. Uh, so, uh, yeah, boy, that's time. I'd love to give you these last two. I'll just, I'll just say them quickly. Uh, one of the things is, is about uh, attacking back. Uh, we know that David attacked Goliath, but he didn't really have a whole lot to say to his brothers. He just got about what he was going to do. You know, just like I read about Nehemiah a second ago. He's like, man, I'm not going to get in a big argument with y'all. 
I know people like to argue sometimes, but, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is uh, well, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 23, who, talking about Jesus, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judge, judgeth righteously. I'm not saying this has always been the best plan, but, but more than once I've had people talking bad about me. Now, let me tell you something about talking bad about me. You can talk bad about me and it be true, okay? And now that's a fact. But I've had people just talking about me and saying things that weren't true about me. <laughs> uh, I've had relatives do that. Uh, I've, I've had people uh, just th throughout my life as a Christian and especially as a pastor, I've had people going around telling things about me that just were not so. And right or wrong, you want to know how much time that I spent addressing those things from the pulpit? From, from the pulpit, I can tell you right now, zero. I came home from vacation one week years ago uh, at another church, and uh, when I got back, just after a few days in Minnesota, uh, which sounds like a funny place to go on vacation, but some of you go there, so you know, it's a nice, it's a nice lake uh, that we went to. Uh, but we uh, came back, man, and I found out that there was a couple people that had stirred up all kinds of junk in the church and were saying all kinds of things that weren't so. Uh, I was getting letters, and I was getting calls, and I was bumping into Walmart just over the period of a few days. When I came into church that Sunday to preach, I wanted to get up there and blow out and point out and defend myself and, you know, line all them up and just run a big bus over them, you know. Um, but what I did instead was just got up and preached a message. Amen. Uh, oh, yeah, you, and you want to know something else? I'll, guess, I'll have to just stop with this one. But uh, uh, that uh, I wanted to preach. <laughs> Anybody know the passage over? Is it? Is it in Exodus where Nadab and Abihu stood up against Moses and Aaron? You know, and, and they were trying to get the people to come over here and follow them, and they were going to go against the man. That's where I wanted to preach. Who's on the Lord's side, you know? And I probably even thought about, come stand up here if you're with me. <laughs> I'm talking about what I'm thinking about doing. And then I was going to watch the earth open up and swallow up those that were withstanding and fighting the work of God. Uh, that's the message I wanted to preach. But God, by the way, praise God, I, I got some counsel because I was going through some tough times and I called a good friend of mine, Tommy Winslow, down in North Carolina. He said, brother, I don't think that would be a good idea. And uh, so what I got up and preached instead was I got up and preached what kept Paul preaching. What kept Paul going? And I said, it's Jesus. Man, the cross of Christ, how good the Lord is, how good. And I got up there and just preached about how great Jesus was and how good Jesus has been to me. That was my message that day. Never said one thing about anything else that day. And I'm not saying it's always the right thing to do, but I know when Jesus was reviled, he reviled not again. I had to, I've had people in this town going around and saying bad things, but just things that aren't true. And uh, somebody's like, preacher, do you think you should maybe go around and try to figure out who they've talked to and blah, blah? I'm like, no. Because uh, there was a, I had, I had a professor in Bible college, Eugene Goodman, great, great man of God, uh, old man of God. He was just awesome. 
But he said, he said that when people talk about you, when people run you down, he said, you just need to live in such a way to where nobody will believe it. Nobody will believe it. And I've tried to live my life by that. Live in such a way to where nobody will believe it. And so I've just said this. You know what? Yeah, I, I know what they're saying. Not true. And there may be some people try to believe that, but if they want to believe it, it's just people that want to believe a bunch of junk anyway. I ain't worried about it. Because anybody that knows me knows it's not true. And I had people ask me in a, in a different situation. I had a guy ask me, he just came to me in Walmart, just right in the middle of all this, and he said, Preacher, they're saying this about you and that about you, and they say, is that true? I just said, Steve. And this goes back to my former church, but I said, Steve. I said, you've known me for you know, five years. Do you believe that's true? Well, no, it's, I, I, I've never seen it that way, or I've never noticed you do, act that way or behave that way or say anything like that. And I'm just like, well, there you go. Uh, so I'm saying, don't get so caught up in trying to go fight, you know, chase down. I, I ain't got time for all that. I got something to do for God, <laughs> amen? And so uh, anyway, uh, there, there's, there's a lesson in that. I'm not saying that there may not be a place where you need to set the record straight or whatever, but uh, for the most part, I've never really found that place, I guess. Uh, but anyway, uh, by God's grace, we can keep on going on, amen? We can do a work for God. If there's going to be obstacles. But if, just to close, just remember, remember who God is. Remember who God is in your life. Remember, who the, remember what the Word of God is in your life. Go by that, not any of these other things, amen? All righty. Well, thank you for your patience. We'll be dismissed. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to the service. If nothing else, I'm looking forward to the music side of the service. Amen. Not too sure about the preaching part. I'm excited about preaching, but I'm not the one that has to listen to me. All right. All right. God bless you.